Good morning, everybody. I am Dave McLean, and I am part of Willow Park Church, and I get the opportunity to speak with you this morning. Thank you for being here. It's never fun if nobody's there to speak to. So welcome here. Are you glad to be here? Awesome. Before we get started, I want, I want to teach you a little something. I have the pleasure and the privilege of working with men across Canada. I lead a, a work with men called Wholehearted Men, and uh, get to work with men from Halifax to Nanaimo. We've seen God doing some great things in the hearts of men. And what I'm actually going to be speaking to you this morning is a critical part of the message that we see God using to awaken the hearts of men across our country. But normally it takes place in a couple of sessions that are about two and a half hours long. And I got 35 minutes this morning, so it's going to be both barrels this morning. But one of the things we do in our conferences, we get the men to interact. So I want to teach you a word. How many of the men here this morning have been to one of our events? Okay, so you probably know where I'm going with this. So there's, there's a military word that we use that means yes! It means amen! In fact, in the New Army of God translation, this is the word they use for amen. That's not an actual translation. But it could be a really cool one. So this is the word. Hua. It's just hua. But of course, you can't say it like that. Hua. It's got to come from deep down. There's a conviction and a commitment that's got to come out. So we go hua as a way of saying, yeah, I'm in. So let's practice that together. Ready? One, two, three. Hua. Awesome. Now, you know what? I never get to hear this. Ladies... Can you do this? Just no man, just the ladies. Ready? One, two, three. That's awesome. I've never heard that from ladies before. Excellent. So we're going to have a good, a good morning this morning. So the content that I'm going to give you this morning is abbreviated. However, I've written a book about it called The Lies That Bind. And I call this a man book because it's only 50 pages long. Can I get a hua? The chapters are five pages long. So we can get through this. Lots of truth in there. So we're actually selling it afterwards out the back. So I'd love to connect with you at the table afterwards. But I'm warning you right now, there's a couple of mistakes in it that we've found. So if you find them, we're, you could let us know if there's some. What we discovered one. Instead of the king of glory, it's the king of gory. So we're fixing all that. But here's what I believe. I believe an imperfect plan implemented trumps a perfect plan unimplemented. Can I get a hua? There you go. Okay. All right, let's get into this. So I understand that last weekend, Phil talked about spiritual warfare, that there's a battle that we're in the midst of. Now, for those of you who weren't here, I just want to review that a little bit because this morning might not make sense if we don't go into that. So I want to point out a few scriptures. Ephesians six twelve talks about our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's in the spiritual realm against rulers, authorities, powers of darkness, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a spirit world that is very real. It's not a nursery tale. It's not a fairy tale or a nursery night. It's not a mythical something or other. This is real. We live in it every day. And if we don't understand what goes on in there, life doesn't work out the way we think, and we don't get a hold of the life that Jesus has for us. John 10.10, Jesus said, hey, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly, but there's a thief who's out to steal, kill, and destroy everything that I have for you. And if we don't understand how to deal with that thief who's out to steal the life Jesus has for us, 
we don't get a hold of it. And then we wonder, what's going on? Jesus promised all this abundant life. How come I'm not experiencing it? So understanding how the enemy works is very important for us. 1 Peter 5, 8, we're told that we need to be self-controlled and alert. Why? Because we got an enemy who's like a, a prowling lion, a roaring lion who's seeking to devour us. And we see the carnage of that in people's lives every day. The enemy out to devour us, not just steal, kill, and destroy, but devour us. There's a violence there. And again in Revelation 12, 17, talking about when Mary was giving birth to Jesus, says the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. That's us. Open warfare is upon us whether we would risk it or not. There's no escaping this. We can't be Christian ostriches and stick our heads in the sand and think, hey, I don't want any trouble. Trouble is chasing us down. So we need to understand who we are in Jesus, what the nature of this battle is, and then take it back and live in the victory that Jesus has for us. Amen? Okay, we had a couple people there. Amen? Yes! Okay. So, have you ever been in a fight in the dark where you had no idea where the blows were coming from. It's not a good place to be in, and I've been there. 11 years old. We went to visit my cousins, Calvin and Roy, and they were kind of mean. At least that's my perception as an 11-year-old. They were a little older than me, and it was uh, just after Christmas, and we went to visit them, and I said, Uncle Neil, hey, where's Calvin and Roy? They said, oh, Davey, they're downstairs. They're waiting for you. They want to show you what they got for Christmas. Oh, great, awesome. So run downstairs into the family room. I walk into the room. The door closes, and the lights go off. And I go, hey, guys, what's going on? They said, hey, we want to show you what we got for Christmas. Oh, what's that? Boxing gloves. And then they beat me like a rented mule. I was turtled on the ground, and it's no fun. You don't see where the blows are coming from, who's hitting you from where. And that's what life can feel like sometimes, right? You know, we think Jesus has got all this abundant life for me, but what's going on? Why is this hard? I feel like I'm getting the boots taken to me. And that's because we don't understand the nature of the battle that's coming against us. There's an unseen opposition, an enemy who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. But this morning, we're going to uncover that to equip you to know how to get a hold of the life that Jesus has for us. So I want to tell you a story where the Lord showed me something. This picture up here that you're seeing is a picture of a tree called a strangler fig. We saw this tree in Costa Rica as a family. We were in Costa Rica and, and experiencing the wonder of God's creation. And we hired a biologist to tour us through the rainforest. And he says, I, I want to show you the freakiest tree you'll ever see in your life. And he takes us to this one. And this isn't a great picture of a strangler fig. I'll show you a video in a minute. And I looked at this tree, and the trunk of the tree almost looks like lattice. The tree's actually hollow on the inside. In fact, my sons could squiggle through, and they got on the inside of the tree. And then they began to climb the tree on the inside. I looked at it and I said, wow, the tree's hollow, it's lattice, what's with this? And he said, here's how the strangler fig works. The seed of a strangler fig gets dropped into the canopy of a healthy rainforest tree. It begins to take root there, and it sends shoots out, and they go all the way down the outside of the healthy rainforest tree, and they root into the soil at the bottom of the tree. 
And they start to draw nutrients out of that soil. And then those shoots begin to wrap around the trunk of the healthy rainforest tree. And they begin to choke it to death. And the foliage of the strangler fig begins to grow up in the canopy and it cuts the light off from the healthy rainforest tree. So now the healthy tree is not getting the light that it needs and it's taking the nutrients out of the soil and choking the tree to death until that healthy tree dies and decomposes. And the strangler fig is a hollow representation of that tree's former glory. And when, I, when he explained that, I thought, that's evil. That is an evil tree, dude. <laughs> and as I stood there thinking about this, I felt like the Lord whispered to me and he said, that is a picture of the enemy's strategy for the hearts of my people. He drops lies into the hearts of his people. And if we don't identify those lies as from the enemy... We believe them, and they begin to choke the life out of us. And that is a glimpse into the strategy of the enemy. He lies. He steals. He kills by getting us to believe lies instead of the truth. It's so subtle, and we buy right into it. But I want to show you a picture of what all this looks like. A young fig tree like this may arrive here as a seed carried by a bird. At first, it grows quite slowly. As it gains in strength, its roots crawl downwards over its landlord's branches. Some dangle free, but keep on growing. Eventually, they reach the ground. Now, supplied with nutrients from the soil, the fig grows really fast. The rootlets wrapped around the main trunk thicken and fuse into a lattice. Most tree's fate is now sealed, for it is in the clutches of a strangler fig. As years pass, the fig thickens its roots, embracing the trunk ever more completely. Trees grow by increasing their girth. For the host tree, that is now impossible. But growth is difficult anyway, because the fig has a huge crown in the canopy that cuts off sunshine from its host and its roots in the ground are stealing most of the soil's nutrients. Eventually, the host tree is killed, and its trunk rots away. But the fig does not fall. Its roots now form a hollow cylinder that is quite capable of standing upright by itself.
This strangler is about 300 years old. In fact, it may be misleading to refer to it as a single tree. It's probable that 300 years ago, there were several young figs up in the canopy. Now, centuries later, their roots have grown down to the ground. They've got rid of the body of their victim. And they're clinging to one another in this extraordinary interlace of pillars and buttresses in order to maintain their dominance of this part of the forest. Nor are these monsters always satisfied with just one victim. This 500-year-old, having strangled its first victim and lost its support, toppled sideways into a second, killed that, and then a third, and now its roots are ready to embrace a fourth. That's a picture of the church. Trapped in the lies of the enemy. Many of us have known Jesus for decades, but we don't understand the lies that have been rooted into our hearts. And we can get rid of them. We're going to learn about how to do that this morning. How to get free and step into the abundant life that Jesus has for us. This is a profound and powerful truth for us to get a hold of this morning. But it's not something we can simply go, oh, okay, I get it. We have to step into it and apply it into our lives. And I'll show you how to do that. But if we do that, we will experience a freedom and a life and a hope and a strength and a vision and a joy like we've always desired because we need to get a hold of what Jesus has already purchased for us because salvation is free, but the kingdom costs us our life. All that Jesus came for us, that he announced in Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he sent me, to, sent me to proclaim freedom and life and truth and hope and healing and all of that. Salvation is a change of citizenship where we get transformed out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life, but now we've got to learn to live differently, right? We don't want to keep living the way we were, trapped in the kingdom of darkness, trapped to the lies of the enemy, bullied by hatred and fear and resentment and bitterness and anger and lust and all of that. We want to live in the constitution of the kingdom, the heart of God in us and through us now on earth as it is in heaven. Do we want to live that way? Yeah, I'm getting hooahs over here. Yeah, we want to live that way. But we got to fight for it because it's opposed. So let's understand what that looks like. So here's what truth tells us. Jesus said, let's read this together. In John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Then he also said, John 16, 13, let's read this together. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Then again, John 8, 31, 32, let's say it together. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the and the truth will set you free. Well, if the truth sets us free, what are we in bondage to? What are we held captive by? 
If truth sets us free, then we're held captive by lies. And we got to get free of those lies. So what does Jesus tell us about our enemy? John 8, 44, he says, you belong to your, well, not to us, to the Jews who were opposing him. You belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Revelation 12:10 Then I heard a loud voice from heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ, for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. He lies continually. The demonic forces that surround us and guys, this isn't a fairy tale. We got to get this. If we don't get this, we're going to get the boots taken to us our whole life. This is very real. But the reality is, our enemy is defeated. Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the dead has set us free from the bondage of the enemy as we step into the truth that Jesus came to set us free. And what the enemy does, the demonic forces, they lie in the spirit realm. It's like thoughts in our heads. I call it the whisper campaign. Who do you think you are? You can't do this, you don't have what it takes. If people knew who you really were, you need to sit down and shut up. Don't think there's anything more for you. There's nothing more. You know what? You're a big disappointment. You're a big disappointment to God. He doesn't really care about you. There's better people that matter. You don't. It's demonic trash talk, and it's meant to just keep us from the truth and keep us bound to the lies of the enemy. It's not true, because if his lips are moving, he's lying. It's not true. So when I saw this, I thought, whoa, Lord, I need to understand more about this. So here's the strategy. Here's how the enemy works in our lives. Your whole life, the story of your life is a long and sustained assault by the one who is scared spitless of who you are in God. Because everyone here has been created in the image of God. To be beloved sons and daughters ransomed from the enemy by the death and resurrection of Jesus into the family of God that we might know the delight of our Father and the reason why we were created to be his children to begin with. He knows that and he's scared spitless. So your life, here's the story of your life. Woundings. We live in an imperfect world, right? And in warfare, there's no unwounded warriors. We all bear multiple wounds from people who loved us. And love us and delight in us, but they're imperfect. Our parents, brothers, sisters, teachers, friends, whatever. And I know if I heard your stories, I'd hear amazing encounters with woundedness that have been sent from the pit of hell to change who God created you to be. But here's how it works. There's wounding that takes place. Words that were said to you, words that were unsaid to you. Things that were done to you that never should have been done or things that should have been provided for you and weren't. In the midst of that wounding, the enemy lies. He drops that spiritual strangler fig into your heart, that whisper, the demonic trash talk, the whisper campaign. We then make an agreement with it. It makes total sense. Based on what we just experienced, yeah, that makes total sense. So we agree with it. Then we make a vow based on that. Well, if that's true, then... And the false self is born. 
we become somebody we were never meant to be. I'll give you two examples, and we could drill into this for a weekend, but we got a sliver of time this morning. So when I was 13 years old, I went out for wrestling. And my dad, I, he loved me, he's a good man, didn't grow up in a Christian family, but my dad wasn't the best communicator, like most of our dads. Good man, though. I go to my first wrestling tournament, and I want to be good, I want to be great, because I want to win my dad's affection. Because most men suffer from a performance mentality. If I perform well, I'm valuable. I'm worthy of love, I'm worthy of significance. So I want to achieve, so I go to my first wrestling tournament, I win a silver medal. I thought that was pretty good, it was a provincial tournament. So I come home, dad, 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 I got the silver, I got the silver. What does he say? Why didn't you get the gold? Many of us have done that. Hey, wow, why didn't you get the gold? It hurts, right? Silver's not good enough. I'm not good enough. I fell short. So the lie of the enemy that's deposited in my heart right there is, you're not good enough. Unless you win, you're useless. You're not worthy of love. You're not worthy of respect or significance or anything unless you win. Makes total sense, right? Okay, I got to win. I get it. I got to win. That's my vow. I got to win. Well, I, I agree with it. Make the vow. And the false self that's born out of that is, I got to win if I'm worthy of anything. So I become a driven man who has to win to prove that I'm significant. Or I won't even try if I don't think I can win. And guys, two kinds of men we see. The puffer fish, I gotta win! I'm gonna win! Prove to you! And the chameleon, I'm just gonna blend away. Don't ask me to step in because I don't have what it takes. So another one. Tragically, my mom died when I was nine years old of a massive heart attack. I was nine, my brother's 19, my sister was 20. We come home from the hospital, devastated. Everybody's devastated by this. My brother goes up to his room. My sister goes to her room. I go to the living room. I'm sitting on the couch, just weeping uncontrollably. My dad is in the kitchen right next door, calling relatives, doing what he thinks is the right thing to do. Call relatives, Georgie's died, etc., etc. He's a faithful, good man. I just want him to sit beside me, cry together, say, I don't understand, but we're together in this. I'm crying so loud, he can't talk on the phone. So he yells to my sister, go comfort your brother. My sister doesn't come. She's in the midst of her own grief. The lie of the enemy is, you're all alone. Nobody cares. Nobody notices. You can't trust anybody. I make an agreement with that. Yeah. You're right. Nobody notices. Nobody cares. I can't trust anybody. The vow I make is, I don't need anyone. I don't need anybody then. And whenever I go somewhere, people are going to notice me. And what do I become? A shameless self-promoter who's independent and nobody gets close because I don't need anybody and I don't want you to hurt me. This isn't just my story. All of us have been the target of the enemy's assault. When I saw this, I, I started to write out my book of lies. 
I took my journal and I wrote at the top of the page, my book of lies. And I said, Lord, help me to understand what are the lies? Because when you get a glimpse of the woundedness, you can see the lies that have been deposited. I want to read you part of my book of lies. No one notices me. No one cares. I'm all alone. I can't count on anybody. I have to win to be acceptable. I got to win to be loved. I got to win to be significant. I got to win to be valid. I got to win to be worthy. I'm not good enough. This isn't good enough. He's not good enough. She's not good enough. My wife isn't good enough. My kids aren't good enough. My company's not good enough. Nothing's good enough because I'm not good enough. Nothing I have ever done is good enough. I have to be perfect or everything gets taken away. I have to be a hero, but I can never be a hero. I gotta make a difference, but I can never make a difference. Prayer doesn't work. Things will never change or get better. This is as good as it's gonna get. I'm trapped. I have nothing of value to offer others. I don't have what it takes to follow Jesus. I'll ultimately fail and lose everything. I'm a bad leader and when I lead, all I do is hurt people. I have to be great. I'll never be great. I'm small and I always will be. I'll ultimately fail. It's up to me to make it happen. I gotta make it happen. I can't trust God to make it happen. God will only be good if I'm good, but I'm not good. I don't need anyone. And nobody really needs or wants me either. I'm an underachiever and I always will be. I'm disqualified from God's A-team. There's better people than me. God isn't really engaged in my life. I can't really trust God. My value and worth is based on how well I perform. And this last one I just saw two months ago. I don't belong. No matter where it is. I don't belong. And it's a lie sent from the pit of hell just to keep us isolated. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you can relate to at least one of my lies? Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Look around. Look around. Look around. Go on, look around. Are you alone? No. But that's the lie of the enemy, right? You're alone. This is just you. You're the only one who deals with this. It's the same strategy that comes after all of us. And it's meant to steal, kill, and destroy all the life that Jesus has for us, the abundant life. But I'm going to show you this morning, in 10 minutes, how we get free from this. Here's what I want to say. After this, take the time and write your own book of lies. Ask the Lord, show me, Lord, what are the lies that I believed? And if you want a head start, in the, in the book, I've got my book of lies. It's kind of like hockey cards. Oh, I got that one. Oh, I'll trade you. No, you don't want to trade lies. <laughs> Anyways, write out your book of lies to see what you need to get free from. Now, we're going to step into the tools of truth that Jesus has given us to set us free. Oh, before we do that, critically important scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. We don't wage war the way the world does. We have weapons that are divinely powerful for the demolishing of strongholds. We are the victors in this. Our foe is defeated. But he wants to find out, do we know he's defeated? 
So we don't need to feel overwhelmed and under-equipped for this. Jesus has provided us everything we need for life and godliness in Him. All authority on heaven and on earth is in the name of Jesus. Can I get a hua? We can get free of this because he's a defeated foe. And our weapons are divinely powerful for demolishing strongholds. So how do we utilize these? We have divine power to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, we take captive the whisper campaign of the enemy, the lies sent from the pit of hell to steal, kill, and destroy the truth that's going to bring life in our hearts. So, let's look at the five tools of truth. Let's say them together. Tool of truth number one is? Tool of truth number two is? Renounce. Tool of truth number three is? Rebuke. Tool of truth number four is? Receive. Tool of truth number five is? Rejoice. Plan your happy dance, because when you get free, you want to do a happy dance. Okay, number one. It starts with the recognition that I chose to believe a lie. This isn't the truth of my father's heart for me. And I believed the lie. We can't play the victim. We gotta take responsibility and say, Lord, would you forgive me for believing the lies of the enemy? Scripture tells us, confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Jesus died once for all to set us free. You don't need to beat yourself up. Don't need to get the whip out and go, oh, what an idiot, I can't believe, no. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been set free from sin and death so we can live in life. So it starts with confession of our sin. Repentance isn't synonymous with confession. Confession is the beginning of it. The repentance is now changing the way I live. And that's what the next tools of truth are all about. Changing the way I live by the way I think, the way I believe, the way I act. But it starts with confession. Okay, tool of truth number one is repent. Yes, if you are willing to repent, give me a hua. All right. Okay, tool of truth number two is simply renounce. If any of you are in business, I owned a company for a number of years, a marketing agency and a sports marketing agency, and in all of our contracts, we had an out clause. You know, if the client fails to fulfill their obligations according, or the contractual obligations of this agreement, we can terminate our agreement with written notice of seven days, da-da-da, and all outstanding payments are due, blah-blah. It's an out clause. We have an out clause. You've made an agreement with the lie of the enemy. Here's the out clause. You know what? I don't believe that anymore. It's not true. It's not true. The lie that says I'm an idiot and I have nothing to contribute is a lie sent from the pit of hell. I renounce my agreement with that in the name and authority of Christ. That's all we do. I renounce my agreement with that lie in the name of Jesus Christ because he set me free from the law of sin and death. Amen? Anybody willing to renounce their agreements with the lies? Awesome! We're getting free. Tool of truth number three. Okay, here's where the heavy lifting comes. This is the intimidating part. Rebuke. James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the enemy and he will flee. But I like the message translation. So let God work his will in you, yell aloud, no, to the enemy, and watch him scamper. Now, I'm used to talking with men, so I'd say it's time to man up. And there's another phrase I'd use that would not be appropriate here, which I will refrain from, which my wife made me promise not to do that. So women, you need to women up. Men, you need to man up. 
It's time for the Popeye principle. That's all I can stands and I can't stands no more. That's it. It stops here. We say no to these lies in the name and authority of Jesus. And it's not a prayer. We don't go, Lord Jesus, would you please set me free from these lies now? No, 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 no. I had a weird dream years ago. I'm in the bathtub. The tap is on. The bathtub's filling up and it starts to overflow. The water's pouring all over the floor. And I go, Lord, Lord, turn off the tap. What does the Lord say to me? You turn it off. Are you helpless? Turn it off. Come on. Man up. Woman up. Now, he didn't say that to me, but if you were in the, you know where I'm going here. He said, you, and when I woke up, I said, Lord, what was that all about? And I felt like he said to me, how many things do you ask me to do that I've given you the authority to do? You need to step into my authority that I'm giving you. That's why I came and died on the cross and rose from the dead, to give us authority over sin, death, and the enemy. That we could live in the freedom and the life and the hope, the government of God in us and through us, the heart of God in us and through us. In the midst of this battle, overcoming the enemy because of the authority of Christ, we don't need to be bullied by the lies of the enemy anymore. We can stand in the truth and the life and the freedom and the hope and the righteousness, peace, and joy of the kingdom of God. Can I get a hua? So now it's time to tell the enemy, get out of my face. That demonic trash talk that goes on in our head like a repeating MP3 file. Or for your older folks, a repeating 8-track tape. Over and over and over, those thoughts that come in and say, No, get out of my face! In the name and authority of Jesus Christ, get out of my face! We step into the authority of Christ and rebuke the enemy. Get out! You are a defeated foe. I bring the cross of Christ between me and you now in the name and authority of Jesus Christ. I don't need to be bullied anymore because you're a defeated foe. And I have the authority of Christ in me. I've got the spirit of the living God alive in me. Rebuke is talking to the demonic forces and saying, get out of my life in the name and authority of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great woman, Hua. I'm not used to hearing that. Hua! That's good! That's good. Love it! So this is the heavy lifting. And so, oh man, i got to keep going. There's just so much here. But The fourth is we got to receive the truth of God. Jesus says in John 10, My sheep know my voice. They listen to me. They listen to the truth. There's two kinds of truth. There's the Logos Word of God and the Rima Word of God. The Logos Word of God is the written Word. It's Scripture that God has given us. We've got to build our life on that. It says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will last forever. We've got to stand on the truth. Because what did Jesus say? I am the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to send you the spirit of truth to guide you into all truth. When you know the truth, it will set you free. So we're standing on the truth of the Logos Word. But there's the Rima Word, God revealing His heart to us. The spirit of truth speaks the heart of God to us. Now we need to always compare that to the written word of God. So we understand what we're hearing is the truth of the Holy Spirit. Encouraging us, validating us, challenging us. Sowing truth into our hearts. So we got to learn practice listening prayer. Lord, help me to hear your heart. In our devotional life, you see why our devotional life isn't a cute little religious activity. we got to get the truth in us. If we don't have the truth in us, it's like having a gun with no bullets. It's like being naked and alone on the beaches of D-Day. You will fight bravely but die quickly. That's not a good story. So we got to get this truth in us, the truth of God's Word. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Get it in us. 
Because we're dead otherwise. We fall victim to the spiritual strangler fig who chokes the life out of us. Fifth tool of truth is we got to learn to get happy. There's a great Scottish proverb that says, never give a sword to a man who can't dance. Here's what I think that means. It's not about the battle. It's about the joy. And if you don't know how to dance, you don't know what you're fighting for. Jesus says the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what we want, right? The life of God. Sure, there's a battle. We've got to fight through the opposition to appropriate, to get a hold of the righteousness, peace, and joy of God in our hearts. So if we don't know how to dance, we don't know what we're fighting for. A true warrior doesn't love war. He loves life because that's what he's fighting for. Scripture says we've got to choose to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what we're fighting for, to taste that, to live in it, to go, yeah, Lord, I'm experiencing this life because I'm willing to step into the battle and deal with the strategy of the enemy. Can I get a hua? Awesome. Let's get back to 2 Corinthians 3, 10, 3 to 5. Our weapons are divinely powerful. We got to understand that. The weapons of truth. And there's way more weapons. There's worship. There's humility. There's generosity. There's love. I mean, we could, we could drill deep into this. But we've got to get the truth in us because the truth is what sets us free. And therefore... We resist every argument, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, the truth of God, and we take captive those thoughts, that demonic trash talk, that stuff that fills our mind trying to belittle, to bully, to beat us down, and not recognize we're beloved sons and daughters of our Father in heaven, who have the Spirit of the living God alive in us, who've been set free by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ so we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit every day and get a hold of God's kingdom, God's government in us and through us to those around us. Is that an amen? Yeah, is that a hua? Well, we got one hua. Is that a hua? That's good news. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, there's so much here. There's so much here. But we're so grateful that you are the one who initiates life. You are the one who pursues us and says, oh, I got more. I got more. I got more. I got more. I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't even entered into the heart of man all that I've prepared for you. So, Lord, help us not to believe the lies of the enemy and to think this is as good as it gets. Help us to step into your life, your truth, and get a hold of this. We love you, Lord. And we're so grateful that we are not just sitting ducks, victims of the enemy. We are victors in you as we step out in your truth and utilize the tools of truth to appropriate all that you've got for us. We love you, Lord.